Thank you for listening to the Conform to Christ podcast, where we aim to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. My name is George Mays, and here with me today is Jay Jones. Hello, George. Good morning. What's going on? Say Monday morning. <laughs> it is a Monday <laughs> it's a morning. Monday morning. Yeah, yeah. Um, you've got a little uh, problem over there, George. Turn in your head. Yep. What's going on? Yeah, my back is killing me this morning. Yeah. So I, I was telling you that behind my my left shoulder blade, it feels like there's like this pinched nerve or something. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. Sometimes, but. Behind my my right shoulder blade, it's uh, it's feeling a little little off too. So, Uh-oh. it's a Monday morning, and I'm feeling old. Yeah, I'm feeling really old. Yep. Oh, dropped my phone. Yeah, it's a Monday. That's yeah. for sure, man. <laughs> well, uh, I guess if people are are still able to uh, to listen to this and watch it, then. That's good. That's right? a plus. Uh, yeah. uh, we're still on. Yeah. We're still on podcasts. Uh parlor is gone. <laughs> yeah. It's gone. Yeah, yeah. Temporarily. Yeah. It'll be back though. Yeah. Yeah. Um I'm I have you seen any people that have been banned on Twitter? Um I just know a lot of people are, are disappearing. Yeah. They're uh, losing tons and tons of followers. Yeah. They're canceling, I guess, tons of accounts. I I don't know. Yeah. So some wild times we're living in, Jay. Yeah. Well, you know, it's um it's just gonna open up opportunities for other people to make new things, mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah. So they, there's too many there's too much there's too much power. Like this is the only thing that's gonna force other companies to rise up and for people to because we're so dependent on all of these other companies right now. You can't right. there's no alternatives, but but we'll see. Somebody will make a lot of money if they come up with uh, good alternatives. Yeah, that's the thing, though. They've got to be good, right? They can't be cheesy, right? <laughs> right. So I, you know, I was, I'm, I guess I was on Parlor. Yeah. Um, I I had an account. I I didn't really use it. That's all right. I, you know, I I have a Twitter account. I I don't really use my Twitter account that much. Right. Um, I'm on there every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you Have you seen Gab? I saw that's a thing. Yeah. I don't know anything about it. I don't it. know anything about it. I guess it's a Twitter alternative. Yeah. I don't know anything about it. I don't either. There's um, so many. You like, know, I'm on, I'm on There's the MeWe. I'm on me I'm on MeWe. Um but I again I I haven't been on it very much. Right. Yeah. I don't know, man. I kind of feel like honestly what needs to happen is it'll never happen, but they need to break those monopoly. They have a monopoly. Right. They break them up for competition, but the the true monopoly is in our two-party system, All right? So I don't know how this would happen. Would it be? It would be so glorious. Break up this two-party system into four parties because yeah. you really have like kind of four parties anyway, but they're just two. And so you'd you'd break it up. You'd have divide their resources evenly. I don't know if you could use the like monopoly laws because they have a monopoly. And so you, what you would end up with is a better spectrum. And then maybe people could we could we could like actually begin to work together again because people would have to argue their ideas and you wouldn't have one group like controlling everything in one party. So and, and you know in the Democrat Party, what you would have is I think if they were being honest, they would say, "Hey, let's call and this we break this party into two. There'll be the classical liberals like Tulsi Gabbard. There's few and far between, right? But they're out there." Um. And then you'd have the progressive party, classical liberals, progressive party, progressive being far left. Other side, you might possibly have five parties. You would have like your uh, neoconservatives. I don't know if they'd want to call themselves that or not, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. The neocons. Yeah. And then you could have like the constitutionalist. So you'd have a spectrum and they wouldn't be able to dominate each other. I think it'd be more healthy. I don't know how you force that to happen, though. You know what I mean? Don't you think that kind of it fits better into four? I don't know. I don't know. I, I I don't know what the solution is. But if you like these ideas, we're going to start a new campaign. Send Doctor Jones to Washington. No, <laughs> uh, I don't think that will happen. <laughs> nope. That's what we need, Jay. We need to send you to uh, to DC to get it all sorted out. Yeah. 
I don't know. I, you know, I, I don't know what the, what the solution is to the political unrest. Yeah. Um, but I know what the spiritual answer is and mm-hmm. you, uh, were hitting on that pretty hard yesterday yeah. uh, in the sermon that you preached. So because it is text-driven, it's text-driven Tuesday. Tuesday. Let's talk about the text. People might be like, is this free for all Friday? What day is this? Yeah. <laughs> text-driven Tuesday. Right. I mean, there's a lot of stuff we could talk about, but I want to talk about the sermon that you preached. Okay. Um, at, at our church as we're going through John chapter 16 and, and we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Last week we talked about the Holy Spirit and his ministry in the world, what he does in the world. He convicts of sin, he convicts of righteousness, and he convicts of coming judgment. Yeah. Uh, but um, this this text that we're in, uh, John chapter 16, verses 12 through 15, it's dealing with um, the Holy Spirit's ministry to God's people mm-hmm. and what he's, what he's doing for um, the disciples. Right. And so uh, we want to look at this. So you, uh, you started the sermon with a provocative question. Mm-hmm. Um, why didn't Jesus write a book? Yeah, yeah, I think, I mean, that's a question everybody's had to ask themselves, right? Like, no? Do people not ask that question? Oh, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I don't know if everyone yeah. asks that question. Hey, it's, a, it's a good question. I mean, yeah. it's an interesting question. Why didn't Jesus write? Uh, he, he wasn't a writing prophet. Right. I mean, we got the writing prophets in the Old Testament, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, the minor prophets. They're, yeah. they're yeah. what are known as the writing prophets. They, they wrote but Jesus didn't write anything. Yeah. There there's a there's a little um there's a little story in early church history of Jesus writing a letter to a gentile king in the east. I, I think somewhere, you know, Persia. Mm-hmm. Um right, India, somewhere around there. Yeah. Um but it's just a legend. It's uh, I mean there's no way to verify. We don't that there is i i should have looked it up before i came in here there is like the words of the letter are written down i think in eusebius's early church history really yeah i I think the the actual words of this letter are written there but uh there's no original right right, right. to to verify and the church obviously didn't see it as (laughs) right something maybe credible to something to to be yeah something to be yeah you know to copy and, and and pass down, yeah. So that, but um, that's just a kind of a but out there but, as but a legend. Jesus Jesus is more in line with Elijah and Elisha, uh-huh. you know the, the prophets that didn't write anything. Uh-huh. Um, so why why didn't why do you think that Jesus didn't write write anything? Well, I think you know we'll get to it in the as we move through this passage. Yeah, but it is an interesting thing to contemplate because you know I've heard it used before for people in other religions, kind of as a way to question or attack Christianity. You believe Jesus is God of the flesh and you know, he couldn't bother to write anything down while he was here for us. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Um well I one of the things I think, and this is just my speculation, obviously, I think I have the I think the answer is found in our text, but here's one possible I threw out. I think if Jesus wrote anything down and we knew it for sure, um, it'd become an idol. Yeah. Like I have no question. Right. It'd become an idol. We we know that already because of the way that some some Christians treat the red letters in their Bible. Right. Right. There's um, these red letter Christians. Mm-hmm. And what do they do? Well, they think that uh, the red letters are more authoritative than the black letters. Yeah. So like they'll say, well, Paul said that, but that's just, <laughs> right. that's just Paul. Yeah. Like he addressed there, that issue. There's kind of two strands to this, right? There's the conservative mm-hmm. red letters that hold the the red letters up as more author, authoritative. But then there's the liberals also, right? There's the liberal stream that says, well, like, like you said, Paul said this, right. but I don't follow Paul, I follow yeah. Jesus. Well, what are the red letters? People are probably asking, what do you mean by that? Yeah, because I don't, I don't use a, I intentionally try not to use a Bible that has red letters Some in it. Some people won't even know what that means. Right. Yeah. Well, if you, if you look at your Bible in the New Testament, um, some, some Bibles, they, they put, the when Jesus is speaking in red letters, right? To kind of set it off as yeah, it's going to be in here. Here's I, the I'm words. going to bring it up when I read it. Okay. What I what I, what we show on the screen, it will be like that. Okay. All so right. people can see what we're talking about. Okay. Yeah. Um. Some some Bibles have it. Some don't. Yeah. I try not to use a Bible with red letters because I I don't want to have that 
that distinction because of our view of the Bible. Right. Our view of the Bible is is um, different than this idea that the red letters have more authority. But there, there are there's there's the two streams: the conservative and the and the liberal. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the liberals. I I've run across this um, quite a bit. Yeah. Paul said this, but I I don't follow Paul. Paul <laughs> right. Paul is you know inferior to what Jesus said. Right. And uh, what what we're going to talk about in this text is going to smash that. Yeah, that that whole idea is it, it does not follow from what right. um, Jesus says here. Uh-huh. Um, so th- this passage is all about the Bible. Yeah. Um, so let's let's I'll have you read it, uh, verses twelve through fifteen, and then let's talk about it because there's only two points That's it. that you brought up, but they're they're important, mm-hmm. and we need to talk about it. We need to think about it and um, bring out some application for what this means for us. Okay. So let's let's do it. All right. Let's, uh, can you switch over to the uh, screen? Here we go. All right, see, there, there they are in red, right? See, it's in red, and then there's not red. Yep. So starting in verse 12, Jesus says, I still have many things to say to you, but you, are not, but you cannot bear them now. Like, they're, they're, all, they're all stressed out. They're sorrowful. Like, their minds are a wreck because he's this is the final hours of his life. He's about to be arrested and crucified, and he's been telling them, like, these things are about to take place. I'm leaving you. So he says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. Whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All right, so just a handful of verses, but um, tell us a lot. Yeah, um, if if we'll take the time to to really think about what Jesus is saying. Mm-hmm. So um, you you said th- these are this is two ways that the Spirit is a guide to mm-hmm. the disciples in the world. Right. So we're not we're not left to ourselves. Mm-hmm. We're not left to try to figure out how to live a godly life in this world. Jesus has sent His Spirit. And his spirit does something for us, right? Right. Um, so the two ways is uh, the, the first way is that the Holy Spirit inspires the Bible, yeah. And the second way is that the Holy Spirit illuminates the Bible. You got it. All right. So two uh, two words that we need to discuss. Two, yes. Two things that the Spirit does, and uh, so the first thing is that the Holy Spirit inspires the Bible. Now, mm. what do you mean by the word inspires? Because I've read, I was just reading a, a history book this morning. And read some inspirational words from Teddy Roosevelt. Is, yeah. that, is that what you? Is that get what your you day mean? started off right. Get your day started off with some words from a former president. Mm. Um, is that what you mean, Jay? Because a lot of people think of of uh, inspiration as in, you know an inspirational uh, quote right. or um, you know an inspirational card that they receive from a friend or you know. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so what what does the word inspired mean? Yeah, so um, they're keeping in this the context, right? Um, they need a guide. They're entering unfamiliar territory. When you go places you don't know, you need a guide. You know, and you honestly, you don't really know how much you need a guide until you really need one. Just try being like lost somewhere, right? Or being in a city you've never been to before. Um, but they're entering into a world, a hostile world. Jesus is leaving them. He's been their guide. Mm-hmm. Like everything Jesus says the Holy Spirit is going to be for you, He's been for them this whole time. Right. This last one is he'll be your guide. He'll inspire. Uh, that's the theological word. He's going to give them what we know as the text of Scripture. Right. Um, but the word inspire is not like a football coach. They're not going to be sad and like not motivated to take this gospel into the world, <laughs> right. and the Holy Spirit's going to come in and be like, all right, we're down by 20, and we got four minutes to go. You know, he calls a timeout. I need everything you got right now. You can do it. Uh, this is what we've been working for. Inspiration. No. It's it's more like um, God expires his breath into you, and so then we would call it inspiration. Think of somebody doing CPR. That's kind of the picture. And the picture would be kind of like when God took man 
in that intimate fashion, and he breathed the breath of life into him, and he came alive. That's the idea of what happens here, is inspiration is God breathing into the disciples. And yeah, I mean, you didn't um, you didn't break the word apart, but I mean, you see it in the word inspiration. Right. Mm-hmm. It's inspirited, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's the spirit breathing in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, this isn't this just doesn't come out of nowhere. Um, inspiration comes from se- but here it is, right? It's right here on this hanging behind me. Sola Scriptura, Second <laughs> Timothy three sixteen. You can't see the bottom. Well, you kind of can. Look, there it is. Right. You can see breathed. Yeah, all Scripture <laughs> is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. It's right there. It's in it. Breathed out yeah. by God, and it the, comes. The, the only way that sola scriptura makes any sense is if it's breathed out by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and if it if it's not if if the scripture is not a product of the Spirit working through the disciples, then sola scriptura is nothing but wishful thinking. Yes, it's yeah. um, superstitious mm-hmm. to to hold on to it as the 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 sole rule of our. Faith as yeah. the sole authority for how we live, yeah. but if it if Scripture is breathed out by the Holy Spirit, if it is inspired, um, if the disciples are writing what the Spirit wants them to write, then sola scriptura is the only option. Mm-hmm. To to do anything other than sola scriptura is to undermine the authority that Scripture has because of its inspiration by the Spirit. Yeah, right. That's right. So. Um... That's how Paul says it. Peter says it in Second Peter one twenty one this way: For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So um, people can wrongly think about the inspiration and this being carried along, and the error they kind of make is that they think we're claiming that they get like possessed by the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and enter into some type of trance, <laughs> right. like they enter into a trance and become like auto writers. Yeah, right. They're writing. Uh, but they're not. They're just. They're just like an instrument. Yeah, I wanted. I, not... I wanted to talk about this a little bit more. You, you obviously don't have time to go into everything that this means in the in a sermon. Right. Um, but that's what this podcast is for, right? That's what yeah. Text Driven Tuesday is for. So we can talk about this a little bit more um, in the time that we have. So what 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 is inspiration? What does it mean for them to be carried along by the Holy Spirit? Because, like you said, some people think that the Spirit like possesses them and just takes over, and they're they're just writing. And they're not even maybe even conscious mm-hmm. of what they're writing, um, but God is God spoke through to people in a, a bunch of different ways mm-hmm. in the Old Testament. I mean that, that's Hebrews chapter one verse one. And, and long ago, many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers through the prophets, and we can list off the ways that God spoke. Um, what what it's how how does God how does the Holy Spirit carry the the writers of the New Testament along? Well, you can get into some really deep, complicated ways of thinking about okay. this, right? You need to number one have a high view of God's sovereignty because uh, these yeah. men write as they write as men, mm-hmm. and I, by that I don't mean they write in error because right. I believe the Spirit carries them along and ensures what they write is inerrant. But they're writing as individual persons with individual personalities, mm-hmm. and you don't have individual personalities. Guess what? Without having an individual life. Yeah. That God has directed it providentially so that you f- become your own person. They're yeah. different people. They have yeah. different styles of writing. You don't always pick up on that if you're just reading in the English. But mm-hmm. you know, you and I have have studied the text in in Greek, mm-hmm. and there's a there's a big difference between reading, say, yeah. John, mm-hmm. and reading Luke. Yeah, yeah. I think you can pick up on it in Mark, maybe in English. Mm-hmm. Read the Gospel of Mark and then read Luke. Yeah. You can tell these people are have they're, they're different they, they people have, and they have different personalities, right? Yeah. And and they uh, their styles different. Yeah. Um, even I think you can pick it up on, on Peter and Paul's writings. Mm-hmm. These are different people. They don't write the same. Yeah. Um, and they and they each even have their own uh, words they're prone to using more than the other. Yeah. Um, you know, just to snapshots because you can really pick up on it if you read through an entire book in mm-hmm. one sitting. So you can read through say second peter and then flip the page over to first john and compare those two mm-hmm. and 
these were not written by the same person. Right. And they weren't, they weren't just robots. Mm-hmm. They, they are individuals who are writing with their own style, their own words. Um, goodness. First John is what, uh, is that what you learned Greek, Greek with? Uh, we just did a, we did a hodgepodge of things. Okay. But yeah, that's those are we, like there's easier sentences. We we work through First John, yeah. um, and you look at First Peter. Yeah. And you, you go through First John, and you're like, oh, I'm I'm really getting this. Right. <laughs> and then you go to First Peter. It's like I I didn't learn Greek at all. It's more difficult. <laughs> it's very, yeah. It's very difficult. Yeah. Um. So what? So you got you have to have a high view of God's sovereignty. Why? Uh, well, because God has He's orchestrated these men, like these particular men, and not only that, He's providentially arranged that every word that they write is going to be the words that He wants. Right. How this happens is you have to just say it's a mystery. Yeah. Because we're not saying God violates their will and like they become robots. Mm-hmm. They're writing words and they're formulating the passage and they're writing it. Yeah. But it happens so that. They're carried along through the Spirit so that they write every word that God wants them to write. Yeah. And that is, there's an element of mystery to that. You know, it's like you can't, you can never escape that tension between God's absolute sovereignty and man's responsibility because we aren't robots. God didn't make robots. Right. We have free agency, um, and our free agency works um, in and underneath the authority of God's providence. That's a great mystery. Yeah. And maybe the, one of the greatest of it is how we get our Bible through yeah. through the Holy Spirit's inspiration. Yeah. Um, and so we hold to what's known as verbal plenary inspiration. Yes. That's a that's a technical term that most people probably have never even heard. Right. But we we hold to that, right? Yeah. So verbal plenary just means that we believe that every word is inspired. Yes. Like it's not just the thought. Yeah. But it's the very words. Yes. Should this affect the kind of Bible translations that we read? Yes. So I mean, what <laughs> Yeah. So what would you what would you recommend when it comes to choosing a Bible translation? Uh this I mean, this is this is maybe getting off a little bit, but mm-hmm. maybe just a, I mean, this is practical application for what this means. Right. If if we hold to this view of inspiration, if we believe that the spirit inspires, then the translation that we use matters. Yeah. Right. So what what would you what would you recommend when it comes to I mean we don't want to go yeah, into yeah. all the theory of, of translation, but what what would you suggest? I think, you know, you want to get a a literal as possible, which means yeah. a word for word translation, like the English Standard Version or the New American Standard Bible. Okay. Um little little words can make a big difference. And I think they yeah. even do in this passage. Mm. There's an article before the word truth, yeah, and I believe it's the ESV captures it. Yeah, uh, others I think may eliminate. I, I didn't look through all of them, but okay, um, it that one article can make a big difference in how you understand what right this passage. Um, so you want to try to get, and it's not always easy for the. That's why some sometimes it's a little bit wooden mm-hmm. because there's not often a, a word for word. Translation. Sometimes right. it will take two English words to <laughs> right. capture what Greek can do in one word. Yeah. See what I mean? Yeah, Gre- idea, Greek is a, a richer language yeah. than English is. Yes. Uh, yeah, and it, it's much more accurate even, mm-hmm. which is so bizarre to think about, right? Right. So long ago, and they have a better language. <laughs> right. We don't use it anymore. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's what I would go. I wouldn't go with a paraphrase, because a yeah. paraphrase, you're, what you're getting is a man's interpretation like you're getting almost what you would get. I wouldn't say my sermons are inspired, right? Like I would never say that. Yeah. Um, but that's what kind of what you're getting in a paraphrase version of the Bible, right? You're getting almost a common a man's commentary on the Bible. Yeah. Instead of the Bible. Okay. Um, but you wouldn't you wouldn't tell people don't use a more thought for thought like the New International. No, no. I, those may be even better for beginning readers. Okay. Um. Home and Christian Standard Bible, or mm. what do they call it now? Christian, Christian Standard, Standard Bible. Bible, yeah, CB, those, CSB. Yeah, I mean, I had I bought those for my kids when they were not um, great readers okay. early on because I, I wanted them to be able to read it, right? You know, and not struggle with every word and all of this stuff. Yeah. So, okay, yeah. but for for 
really getting down and studying word for word is is yeah. best because every word is inspired it's not mm-hmm. it's not um they're not haphazard they're not chosen at random specific deliberate words yes are are used uh-huh. as they as the writers are inspired uh-huh. by the spirit right sometimes i've i've seen especially in first peter it looks like peter invents a word <laughs> <laughs> to the you know to serve his purpose right it's spirit inspired it's a spirit yeah. inspired New word, yeah, um, to capture. So he'll take what's going like on. two Greek words and put them into one. Yeah, smash and them into no, one. And there's no example <laughs> of it being used anywhere else, right. <laughs> except in here. Um, so okay, all right. So that's that's a good, I think, a little practical mm-hmm. thing, especially if if we have new new Christians that are listening and and are trying to understand what what versions should should we use. Um, that follows from what is going on here. Yeah. So you you list some things that inspiration means mm-hmm. from this passage, mm-hmm. and this was a, a little bit different sermon because you didn't you didn't walk through every single verse because the whole thing just fits together, and so right. you're just you're pulling out these these ideas that come from the entire passage. Right. So you drew out you drew out some some um, some truth from these passages that. If you're just reading through it really quickly, you're you're maybe not going to pick these up, right? And so I I appreciated these. So let's just walk through okay. these these ideas that you can just pull from this text. Uh-huh. So what what's the first the first thing that maybe we should? Well, the first thing grasp? that we have to acknowledge is Jesus is talking to his disciples. Okay. So inspiration is not for all time. Right. Inspiration is for he says, I have many things to say to you, but you are not ready to bear you can't you can't hear them now. Yeah. You're not ready for it. Um, but and this is the thing you should link in your mind, but when the helper comes, the Holy Spirit, he's going to guide you into all truth. He's going to take what's mine and give it to you. Oh, and by the way, he doesn't speak on his own authority. Um, all that the Father has is mine, and I give all that I have to the Spirit, and the Spirit gives it to you. See, there's this link. So you have to acknowledge that's not for us. Right. And like, we weren't there, our hearts weren't troubled, Oh, you know, and Jesus said, hey, I got more to, to tell you, but you're not ready. That's for the disciples. So inspiration, we have to settle once and for all, direct divine revelation from the Holy Spirit to men is for the apostles, the disciples, prophets. Okay, that's and that ceases when they die. Okay, uh, that's that's important because um, goodness, there's there's people that go around speaking as if the spirit is inspiring them in what they say. Oh man, this is not it's not uh, any minor thing. It's actually more, you know, uh, it happens more than you would think. I remember in the when I was in the army had a, a friend who was going through the chaplain program. He's actually a chaplain still, I believe, in the National Guard. Anyway, he actually got... He he used to be in the charismatic world. He got church disciplined, like, out of this church. Mm-hmm. And the reason is because he, he uh, dared to approach the pastor and say, uh, no, what you say is not on par with Scripture. He got church disciplined for yes, that? Because, oh, wow. Because the, the pastor said he was an apostle. Okay. And what he said had apostolic authority. Okay. You see? That's and, a lot of the a lot of the word of faith um teachers, they use that yeah. that idea, don't touch the Lord's anointed. Yeah. And that means don't question yeah. <laughs> what I say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's uh, uh that's abusive. Yes. Um very abusive. Oh yeah, yeah. Right, but it also is is exactly the opposite of what's going on here. Yes, yeah, right? yeah. And you have people running around all over the place claiming divine revelation from God, mm-hmm. saying Trump's the Lord's anointed. He's going to be, <laughs> right. he's going to be elected. God's told me he will be elected for a second term, and all these things will happen in his term, and the, you know, all of this. I mean, that and this isn't like a few people. Right, it's like a lot of people. And no, like you're, <laughs> right. you're not. And the people need to understand, you're not that special, okay? The people who get divine revelation from God like this, I'm like, how many are there, George? Like, if we take the whole Bible, what do we get? Like, right. it's got to be less than 30. I think there's somewhere around 40, depending on how you 
Yeah. How you break up the books. Yeah. So you take all the prophets. Right. And then all the, the apostles, mm-hmm. less 40 or less. Right. And all of human history. Yeah. So we need to pump the brakes. <laughs> pump, right. pump the brakes. Yeah. Especially when we understand what Jesus is saying here. Uh-huh. When we get to the end, like this last implication, I think it's, it's I mean, it's pretty definitive. Yeah. Like this is definitive. Okay. So so it it's inspiration is dealing directly with the disciples, yeah, with the apostles. Us. It's not it's not for us. So what's the next what's the next uh, truth that we can get out of here? Well, I can't remember what order I went in, okay. but um I think I said it's always focused on Jesus. Okay. I think that may maybe the next order. It tr- Trinitarian. Yeah, Trinitarian, okay, Trinitarian is the second one. Yeah. Then I went Jesus. Okay. So Trinitarian. Yeah. Inspiration is Trinitarian. Mm-hmm. Um, everything that our God does is Trinitarian. Like, <laughs> right. We don't often think about that way because you know, it, even up to like five years ago, I wasn't thinking as deeply Trinitarian as I should have. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's not to say I wasn't thinking Trinitarian. <laughs> it right. just means that when we're when we're looking at how God works, it is always Trinitarian. Mm-hmm. There's there is one God in three persons. Those persons are distinct. Yes. Um, and so when we're discussing everything in the Bible, going all the way back to Genesis one, all the way to Revelation twenty two, it's Trinitarian. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and that's an important thing for us to, yeah. to really start thinking about. Creation is Trinitarian. Mm-hmm. Yep. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit all involved in creation. Um, providence is Trinitarian. Yeah. Salvation theology would which would shock most people to understand it would totally blow up probably their theology if yeah. they understood salvation is trinitarian right they're all in agreement but when you look at the old testament you are seeing the activity of a trinitarian god mm-hmm. even though it may not be as it's, it's spelled out as clearly as in the new testament it's there it's all right. over the place yeah it is and so then you know we come to the the revelation of god a special revelation inspiration and it's also trinitarian it's clear. It's. I mean, it's, it can't be more clear, I don't think. Verse 15, all that the Father has is mine, therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So there's the Father, Son, and the Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is the one who takes what is Jesus's and gives it to the disciples. The Spirit comes, he'll guide you into all truth. He won't speak on his own authority. Whatever he hears, he will speak. Okay. So all the Father has, he's given to the Son, and Jesus says this in his ministry, I don't speak on my own authority. I, I speak what I hear. I speak the words that the Father has given me to speak. Right. Spirit does the same thing, except for now as Jesus ascends, he ascends and he and the Father send the Spirit, the Spirit continues uh, this what Jesus did with his disciples. He continues okay. it with them. Okay. All right, so it's uh, it, inspiration is for the apostles, particularly mm-hmm. it's trinitarian yeah the next one is revelation is focused on jesus yeah yeah so this uh, this is interesting to think about because you think okay the spirit's coming and he's going to give you revelation and he's going to he's going to he's going to tell you these things and so we can think oh the holy spirit's when he inspires it's just new stuff <laughs> right but it's really not um it's in keeping with revelation with your whole Bible, like yeah. the Old Testament, I'm going to go through all of this, but the Old Testament is about Christ, mm-hmm. right? Not every passage, I'm not one of these people who say every passage is about Jesus. I don't believe that, but I believe from every passage, there's a legitimate road to Jesus. Right. There's a, le- and that's how the whole Bible, it's like interwoven in this fashion where yeah, you, you can. You, you go back to Genesis 3.15, uh-huh. the the Old Testament hope is messianic. Mm-hmm. It's the seed of the woman. They're looking for the seed of the woman, and so the story it 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 leaps out of this promise, yeah. and so everything is centered on Jesus. Yeah, I I really like this this point that you made because this does expose the false prophets. Yeah, who are are saying, um, they're saying touch not the Lord's anointed. They're saying all kinds of stuff. Yeah, they're they're. They're uh, they're giving all of these you know prophecies, but I like what you said that even the prophecies of the New Testament are focused on Jesus. Right? Like it's not it's not separated. Right. The Holy Spirit is not giving these prophecies that are just about things that are going to happen in the future. Right. It's not like an example I gave us the, the the when the Spirit comes and inspires them in, in this prophetic manner. They don't go. 
and it's not in scripture either, right? They don't go, oh, Nero's terrible. <laughs> right. um, he's crazy. He's going to try to kill his mother, and eventually he's going to commit suicide. Right. Like, what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> That's the type of stuff we get today, though, right? That people are claiming divine revelation. Right. Like, um, no. Yeah. Like, it's all it's all about Jesus. And the reason it is is because he Jesus is he's def- the definitive revelation of God. Right. And this is what we read in the beginning of Hebrews long long ago at many times and in many ways God spoke to us to or to our fathers by the prophets but in these last days he has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed the heir of all things through whom he also created the world. So you see there in the Hebrews passage that God spoke in these other ways and they appear to be uh, not as clear they're not as clear, right? But God in these last days spoke to us through his son. Like, that's it. It gets no better than that revelation. So when the Spirit ministers and guides the church in the world through inspiration, he's all about Jesus. It says here in verse 14, He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So this is what inspiration is. It's, it's, um, it's focused on Christ. Yeah. And you can see that when we come to our Bible. And when you think about how he does it, which I think we should go to next, right? How does how does the Holy Spirit inspire? In the first way is through remembrance. Several chapters ago, chapter 14, we talked about that. When he comes, he'll bring to your remembrance all that I have said. And what is that? Where do we have the remembrance of all of G- that Jesus said? Yeah. Where is it? It's in the Gospels, right? And we're we're <laughs> we're re- we're reading it, right? <laughs> like you read <laughs> right. things that Jesus said that John is remembering. Yeah. That's John 14, 25. He says, The Holy Spirit, when he comes, he'll bring to your remembrance all that I've said. That's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Yep. We have Jesus' words and his works. Now, the second kind of the way that the Holy Spirit inspires that we can see in our passage is from verse 12. I have many more things to say to you, but you can't bear them now. They're not ready for it. And what are they not ready for? I mean, Jesus is about to be taken away, be crucified. They think he's everything. They're not grasping yet that the Messiah must die. The Messiah will die. This is going to wreck the, their brains. Are going to be like explode. Like they think that this defeat, yeah. he'll rise from the dead again, blowing their mind. Like he can't tell them beforehand. He, it, they're not ready to grasp it all. He's he's told them at at different spots, not in John, but in mm-hmm. in Matthew and Mark. He's he's told them. He's tried to tell them plainly. I'm gonna. I'm gonna going go to. I'm going to Jerusalem. I will be delivered over to. The religious leaders and the and the Romans, and I'll I'll be crucified. And, and, and they like, can't. No, they, no that's they, not going to happen. Yeah, right. they can't. They can't. They can't get it. They can't get it. And so they're not able and ready to grasp the theological implications. Yeah, I think that's what he's getting at. I want to tell you these things, but you can't. You're not right. ready yet. Yeah. But after he returns, uh, conquers death, they're going to see him. It's going to change everything. And then yeah. after he sends the Spirit at Pentecost. They're able to understand what actually takes place. You can even see it. We didn't get into that, but you can see it in the Pentecost sermon already. Yeah. But I think even more as time goes on, mm-hmm. they're able to grasp in an even more, like a fuller sense. They're able to look back at the event, right? and then they understand completely mm-hmm. how this fits with the Bible, what the theological implications then are. right? And that's what you see in the letters. Yeah. So the Gospels are from remembrance. Mm-hmm. The, he inspires the letters by giving them an understanding of the Christ. We call it. We could call it the Christ event, right? The most, the most important event in human history. They're able to look at that event and understand the theology behind it, what it means, and then how we live. So, example Romans, and what's what is Romans really? I mean, it's a massively worked out salvation theology, right? Yeah, that's what it is. It's like a systematic theology of salvation. And then he gets to a point in his letter where he, sh- he shifts it, now here's how you live in light of this theology. Right. That's from the Holy Spirit. Peter, uh, or, uh, We have something similar in Hebrews. Mm-hmm. Peter does something similar in his letters. Yep. But Hebrews is a biblical theology, and then implications on how to live. So that's that part. The last way is he's going, he says he's going to um, guide you into all truth, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. And I think, obviously, the most plain reading, people have kind of debated what that is. I don't really know why they debated. I think it's pretty clear we can 
say this is future revelation about it's, it's revelation about what is to come obviously where do we have that yeah we have it in revelation yeah. and in other small parts of uh, some of the epistles right um but what is the book of revelation about that's what you <laughs> right. have to ask yourself like yeah. what's the holy spirit inspiring here it's the unfolding of history with the Christ-centered focus. Yeah. It's really all about Jesus. Yeah, it's really telling us about Jesus. Yeah. And um, we need to, in in our Western modern context, we need to um, we need to regain that focus. Yeah. A lot of people, I think, they they steer away from Revelation because that's it's too hard to understand, and there's all these wild interpretations, and we we just don't know you know how this is all going to pan out. But the book of Revelation is about Jesus, and so many people are wanting to know about future events that they're missing. The most important part of the book of Revelation is what does this tell me about Jesus, right? Yeah. Um, right. It, and it's it's the same with, um, you know, that, that second point that he brings fuller understanding of, of the coming of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um. And we've talked about this a little bit in in the past. Is is that people are so infatuated by all of these other things, and they're missing out that the greatest treasure and the greatest revelation is Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is we we keep hitting on it. The finality of revelation, yeah, the finality right. of the inspired words of the scripture. Where we don't have to look for further revelation, we don't have to look for further prophecy because we have the definitive word right here and it's all testifying to jesus and yet so many people they're just not satisfied with that they want something else you can't go beyond it there's nothing else right all of the rest of the bible outside of the gospels is holy spirit inspired explanation of jesus the jesus event yeah and then after that explanation how do you now regular mortal christian (laughs) <laughs> How do you live right. your life in light of these events? Yeah. All right. So let's let's move to the second the second point. We had to spend a lot of time on that first point because um, that's how we got our Bible. One and, quick point. The yeah. last thing I said is that you have to acknowledge the finality and totality of it. Yeah. And that is because you can't think God held out <laughs> right. here. There's something lacking here. Yeah. All that the Father has is mine. Right. He gives all that He has to Jesus, and Jesus then gives all of that to the Spirit. Mm-hmm. The Spirit then gives all of that to the disciples. All of the truth. God didn't hold out. And that I think that's clear from verse 15. Right. You can't... There's nothing extra for you to grab. You don't need to go meditate on some mountain and clear your mind <laughs> and have asked God to fill it and be, you know, to tell you how to live. Like, it's all here. Everything. Right. That's why... Um, and we can't stop with Second Timothy chapter three verse sixteen. We have to go to verse seventeen also. Mm-hmm. All Scripture is breathed out by God, but it is profitable for um, teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete. Right. That that word is perfect. Yeah. That the man of God may be perfect, equipped for every good work. How is he? How is he complete? He's complete by understanding the Scripture. And if there was something else that we needed in order to be complete, yep. then God would have added it. Right. <laughs> he would have given it. But as it is, we have the complete revelation of God, and so we know that we can live a godly life. Yes. Right? Um, right I'm going to hit on this uh, when we start Second Peter, um, because Peter, he talks about it the same way, mm-hmm. that we have everything that we need to yeah. live a godly life. All right, so the Spirit inspires the Bible. That that inspiration it is for the apostles and so there's nothing left for us right jay <laughs> right yeah <laughs> i'm just want we're just wandering through this wilderness right. of a world without a guide yeah that's not true right the, have, the holy spirit illuminates the yeah. bible the holy spirit is our guide mm-hmm. he guides us into all the truth okay as well all right um number one he gave us the bible <laughs> right it's here and uh, we have it but we're just not reading some text like it's another textbook the Holy Spirit guides his church in the world continually through all time till Christ returns through illumination. He illuminates us. Okay, what does that mean? He illuminates us. Well, I want to say one thing. Um, it's supernatural. Okay. We can become, in the Reformed world, almost anti-supernatural ministry <laughs> yeah. of the Spirit. Right. I don't know why. 
Uh, if you read through, you know, the, our Reformed brethren that came before us, they had a much richer uh, doctrine of the Holy Spirit. What, wasn't Calvin nicknamed the theologian of the yeah, Holy Spirit? He is. He actually is. And people don't think about that. When they hear yeah. the, the name John Calvin, they think, ah, there's that there's that they think he's, predestination yeah, and election right. and, and Calvinism. But he actually wrote about the Holy Spirit more than he wrote about predestination and election. Right. Yeah, yeah. Sinclair Ferguson kind of picked up on that. He kind of ran with that. He writes a lot about the Holy Spirit as okay. well. Good stuff. You can check that out. Um, yeah, so God ministers to us directly. Like, he doesn't leave us alone without a guide wandering in the world. He illuminates us to the Bible. So we, when we read the Bible, we're able to understand the Bible, uh, and we're able to apply it to our lives because the Holy Spirit casts light on it. That's okay. the idea. Okay. He peels back like your, your eyes are scales. He removes the scales of your eyes. He opens your eyes. He enlightens your eyes to see the truth of God's Word. Okay. And this isn't some theological term that was made up by theologians, right? They, they kind of came up with this term because it's in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 2, 12 through 13 says, Now we have received the Spirit, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God, and we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truth to those who are spiritual. So this is the eyes being opened through the Spirit and giving us an understanding uh, to what the Scriptures mean. Okay. Uh, you know, you go on in that passage, the verse 14, it says, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Yeah. So the natural man can't discern this book. Yes. Um, that- you, you can't just come to this book and understand it you can understand without, without the Holy Spirit. Yeah, you can. You could understand it. Perhaps you could study it. Like you can understand the words. Like a like a PhD in biblical studies. That's an atheist. I yeah. mean, there are plenty of those guys, right? Or textual critics. Like they're they're studying it. They're reading the same words, but they don't understand it. <laughs> right. They they think they have an understanding of what it says, but they don't understand it at all. Yeah. Um, they don't really know who Christ is. They don't know God. Um, they're reading in a purely secular fashion. They're reading as a natural man. Yeah, but this is not what 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 God has for His people. Yeah, you know this is all inter. It's this all linked, right? My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. I didn't even get into that, right? Or how did how did the sheep hear His voice? Well, number one, they hear His voice in the gospel call, and not everyone hears that. I mean, they hear the gospel, but not everyone receives the effectual call. Yeah, but that we don't stop hearing His voice, ever. Right. The people who belong to Christ will long to hear from Him, and how do they hear from Him? Well, they hear from him through the word, through his word. This is the words of Christ given to the Spirit for his people. And the Holy Spirit is the one who ministers to us by enabling us to hear his, his voice. Yeah. Um, and it is a supernatural spiritual thing. And this is why people, I think, that are Christians. We talked about this, I didn't even use an illustration. The first time you ever hear expositional preaching, yeah. it will blow your mind. We talked about this on Free For All. Did we do? Did we we talk did. About, okay. We talked about um, the first time that you hear expositional preaching, it, it just blows your mind, mm-hmm. like because you are hearing God's word just clearly explained. That you're not trying to jump through the hoops. Well, you know, it doesn't really mean this. Mm-hmm. You you know this if you hear somebody who's not a Calvinist talk about foreknowledge. Uh, an election. Right. Well, you know, election means that God's given us a choice, and we we choose we can choose Christ, and then we're elect. Then like afterward, <laughs> then afterward, he chooses us. Yeah, go, you choice, know, goes, yeah. <laughs> right. like what kind of? Yeah, I mean, we we know this. Yeah. Um, we just want to take the scripture at its face value, mm-hmm. um, and that also is is a work of God's grace through the Holy Spirit, um, softening our rebellious heart. To receive the word, yeah. Right. This is this is why, and I did bring this up. This is why so many people, yourself probably included, you said I read Romans nine <laughs> yeah. hundreds of times in my life, mm-hmm. and you didn't understand it. Yeah, and the reason well, is, it was, it wasn't just that I didn't understand it. It's like it's like it wasn't even in the Bible. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's like I didn't even know it was there. Yeah, the first time that I heard someone actually 
um, present it and explain it, it was like a new chapter of my Bible was added. <laughs> like I had to go back and reread right. it. And like it's been where, where, where did this come from? Yeah, I've never, I don't remember ever hearing this. Right, because no one ever talked about it. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's. Unless you've experienced it, it's really hard to explain. It is, yeah, that's right. Uh, Paul prays for the Ephesian church mm -hmm. that their eyes would be opened to understand these, we would say these are glories, yeah. these are glorious truth, right? He, he says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom, again, we're back to the Holy Spirit, and revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which you have been called, what are what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Yeah, so the eyes of your heart enlightened. Right. That's the idea of illumination. Yeah. So, and the other thing to remember about the ministry of the Spirit, and as He ministers to us today actively, is the Holy Spirit is not about the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Right. This is uh, a, a big error today. There, I think it was John Stott. I can't remember who said this. It was the floodlight illustration. Do you remember that? Yeah. So he said, you think about floodlights, and he came up with this as he was going to preach at some big cathedral, some beautiful cathedral of stone and stained glass, and it was at night, and had these these lights. They're set you know, on the ground. You can't see the light, the light origin, but it casts light up on it, and you're like, oh, what a marvelous cathedral. He said, no one goes over to a floodlight, turns around, and stares into the floodlight. Like, you don't do that. <laughs> but yet that's what sometimes people want to do with the Holy Spirit. Right. The Holy Spirit is throwing light onto the Bible so that you can behold Christ. Right. That's what he's doing, and that's what he's doing in illumination. Yeah. All right, well, we're almost out of time, but I want to go just a little bit longer because we can't, we can't end it without talking about some, some practical application, because there, there are going to be Christians that are hearing this, and they're thinking, I still don't understand that passage. Mm -hmm. like they, they still, there's still something in the Bible that I just... I labor over, and I just don't understand what is going on. Yeah. So what are some practical application that we can, in light of it's inspired, mm -hmm. the Spirit illuminates, mm -hmm. what, what's just some practical things that, that believers can do, because an unbeliever is not going to be able to, to apply this without repenting and trusting in Christ. Um, what, what are some things that just an average believer, when they sit down to read their Bible, what are some things that they should do? Number one, just to pray. Okay. This is the ministry of the Spirit, so ask the Spirit to minister to you. And you, you took us to a place in, in Psalm right. one nineteen mm -hmm. that th this is this is one of those places that you can just pray the Bible. That's right. Just pray these verses mm -hmm. um, because this whole this whole chapter is a prayer. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So you want to read those? Yeah. Open my eyes that I might behold wondrous things out of your law. I am a sojourner on the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. And I think it fits perfectly with what Jesus is saying as a guide. Right. Like you're a sojourner. You're you're in a hostile world. Um, open my eyes, yeah. so that I might behold wondrous things in your law. Yeah. Um, I'm a sojourner on the earth. That's us. Yeah. And we need God to illuminate us to His Word. So when you sit down to read your Bible. Just pray this prayer. Mm -hmm. Open my eyes that I can see. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So there, you start there. I would say number number two, that's a practical thing, is to understand there are parts of the Bible that are very difficult to understand. Yeah. Um, and even like Luther will say, you'll read some of his commentaries, he might just say, I don't understand what God meant here. Yeah. Like he'll right. just say, like that's what that's why I always love Luther because he yeah. he's he just Sh tells he just shoots straight yeah. yeah I mean even Peter says there are some things that are difficult to understand in Paul's writings right and he says this at the end of yeah a difficult yeah. <laughs> a difficult portion of scripture yeah uh, why do you think that is I think it's so we can never feel like we've mastered God's word yeah you can't master this. And that kind of goes along with sitting down and praying. Mm -hmm. We we have this we have this um, this pride that that we come to the Bible and say, well, I, you know, I've got this figured out, and so we don't pray, and we think that well, if I just do some more more research, some more study, I can figure this out. But God God has given hard things so that yeah. we will 
be humbled and that we will constantly be relying on yeah. the Spirit to teach us. Yeah, there've been there've been times it's it's not hap- it doesn't happen a lot, um, but it has happened where it's been a Saturday, even a Saturday night, mm. and I don't have a sermon. Yeah, like I've done all of them. It's not because I don't have it because I haven't worked. Right. I've worked all week to understand and. And what's happened is I have an intellectual understanding, maybe, but the understanding is more like a PhD guy who studies the Bible <laughs> right. but doesn't know God. Yeah, and that's not a sermon. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, so then you know, been praying, but then you really start praying. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, that's right. There's praying, then there's like desperation, like, and so the prayer then is like, God, if you don't illuminate me through the Spirit, I'm not going to have anything to say. Yeah, tomorrow. Right. And sometimes, I'm telling you, man, sometimes, though, it comes, the illumination comes so quick, I can write a whole sermon out yeah. in an hour mm. after I've done my research. Yeah. It's so clear, and I know exactly what it means, the application, implications, it just comes. Boom. Right. So don't get discouraged, because it's not always going to be the same. Yep. I don't know, and it, I think it's just so we would stay reliant on God. There, there are. I mean, that's... Obviously, not everyone listening is is a, a a pastor and is having to write out sermon outlines every week. But maybe a little bit of encouragement is knowing that there are some weeks that the sermon outline comes really fast. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this this is really yeah. Clear that's last week. And, okay, this week I promise you on Friday night. Yeah, and she's like, "What's wrong?" I'm like, "My sermon is, I think, a hot mess." <laughs> yeah. That's what I said. I said I, I said I, I wrote all this stuff down, but I'm not sure it makes any sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So a little bit of encouragement that um, pastors experience this. They experience this yeah. this need for illumination. A- anything? Anything else that you would maybe suggest? Any counsel you'd give the people as they're studying the scriptures? Right. So illumination. I didn't. T- I didn't bring this up, but. This is this is an interesting way to also think about the ministry of the Spirit. It doesn't just have to be you alone, or right. The the Spirit can illuminate uh, maybe how you personally ought to live in light of this text. Okay, I think He does. Yeah. I think if you read the Bible and you just read the text, the Spirit's going to minister to you and He's going to change you. Right, and you're going to know how God wants you to live now. I think He He does that. But there are some parts that are difficult to understand, and that's why we have teachers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the Spirit's ministry to the church, too. Right. He illuminates people sometimes better. Like, he, he ministers greatly through others in ways he does in other people. Yeah. We need teachers. You know, one person that I go back to is John Calvin. And here's what I find interesting about going back to John Calvin. I think God ministered through illumination to John Calvin, like maybe nobody, even Luther in the past 500 years. It's unbelievable. Yeah. So much so that I can take all of my other commentaries that I have on John, and I can go backwards. I can say, Calvin, 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 you stole <laughs> all of this from John Calvin. Yeah. <laughs> he had no commentaries. None. He had none. That yeah. is amazing. Right. And so that should be an encouragement, I think. We have all of these, we have this great reform tradition yeah. of faithful uh expositors of God's Word that the Holy Spirit has gifted and illuminated them in ways He has in us. Yeah. So we're not just stranded, like we're not just out here on our own. Right. Does that, does that think that's helpful? I think that's helpful. I think that's helpful for people to know the idea of illumination, it's not just you and a Bible. Mm-hmm. It's God has given the gift of the church. Yeah. So you need to be in church. Yes. You need to be in a Bible believing, Bible teaching church. Yeah. And you need to be praying. Pray for your pastors. Yeah. Pray for pray for the guy who's going to stand up there and preach God's word that he would have illumination so that he can he can clearly present right. the scripture to the congregation so that you also will have that that the fruit of that yeah. illumination, you'll have illumination also. Yeah, and the one thing to keep in mind is, I think, as we talk about illumination of the Spirit and us personally coming to the Bible, Sproul says something like, God wants everyone to interpret the Bible. Like, I think God's desire is that everybody has a Bible. It's yeah. a big Reformation principle, right? <laughs> right? Get the Bible into the hands of everyday people. Yeah. Um, God wants everyone to interpret the Bible, but you're not free to your own interpretation. Right. Like, you don't get your own private interpretation. That's right. It, it has a meaning. Yeah. 
So you need to make sure that you're understanding. Yeah, and we the could, actual meaning. Yeah, and we could go and talk about hermeneutical, um, you know, principles of reading it within context and what's the situation and the right. words have a meaning and they fit together in the sentences and paragraphs and you have to fit it together. The analogy of faith, you're you're looking at what does other what do other passages say, um, and and again always interpreting it in light of the person and work of Christ. Right. Yeah. But we could we could talk about this forever. But we're gonna have to close it <laughs> close it down. <laughs> we could talk about the Bible for another hour, I think. Right. Um, but hopefully this has been beneficial. So where are we going next week? Uh, we're gonna finish out the chapter. Finishing out the chapter. I think so. Just taking yeah. it all in one big chunk. I think I think so. Okay. I think it's it's a narrative is like that. Sometimes there's a long portion, yeah. but there's kind of like it's there. You okay. know what I mean? Sometimes there's too much in a little section. Okay. So all right. I think we'll finish the chapter. Well, next week when yeah. we come back and you haven't finished the chapter, we'll know what <laughs> we'll know what happened. <laughs> you know what happened. You had a little bit of illumination. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, um, it's been fun talking to you, Jay. Uh, hopefully, this has been beneficial for you. If it has, please subscribe, like, share. Uh, we got to share while we can, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining us for another episode of Conform to Christ. And that's our hope that this has helped you to become more and more conformed to Christ. So be sharing this and uh, pray for your pastor. And then get in your Bible, read your Bible, study it, pray for illumination from the Holy Spirit. And we are confident from God's Word that God's Word will not return void. We'll see you next time for Free for All Friday.